0: So we're going to talk about evil, which is a topic that we don't talk about enough in Christian circles in the church. I think it's something that is a mystery to us. We're afraid of it or, you know, we've made it into this cartoonish kind of reality and not something to be taken seriously. Um, But we should take it very seriously because evil is real. And it, evil shows up very early in God's bigger story. And so that's where we want to start today is, is is really understanding evil from the perspective of the big story of the world and how God frames it and what he tells us about evil and how we ought to deal with it. And so if you go back to the very beginning of, of the story is that, you know, you have God who... Um, is outside of time who's good who creates everything in the world and he creates the the earth and you know he separates the land and the water he makes beautiful vegetation he makes this perfect garden for people to live in it's a it's a place of human thriving and then he makes the man and he makes woman adam and eve we're told are their names and he places them in the garden and it says he's with them in the garden there's a beautiful line in the very beginning of genesis that says that god himself walked in the cool of the day Hmm. with adam and eve and i've I've, that image has always deeply resonated with me because it's a picture of of what we know from the hebrew text is shalom which is this idea of ultimate peace um it's it's god's image for his world that he desires to be with us in the place of flourishing that he created for us and so that's the image we see in the very beginning of the story. And, and we don't know how long that sort of life went on, but, um, we, we know that, uh, there was some governing rules to how God uh, told Adam and Eve to, to live in, in the garden. And one of them was that there was a, a tree of knowledge and they weren't to eat from it. And, but one day they did eat from it, uh, we're told that there was a, a serpent, a creature, but the creature was unique. He, he could talk and he was very cunning and deceitful. And um, we, we know from the text that the creature was an embodied um, version of Satan and that he he tempted Eve and that she ate from the tree and then she gave the fruit to Adam and then he ate from it as well. And at the moment that they gave in to this deception, and you know just to pause for a minute there like the first thing we learn about evil is that evil is a liar that he is by his very nature deceptive that he takes truth and twists it mm. and confuses people and so that's an important thing we'll come back to later but we, we know from the story that um, they're deceived by uh, satan and that at this moment, their eyes are opened. And at that moment that of their sin, which sin It just means missing the mark, it means rebellion against God and his good intentions for us and the world that he made us, says their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. And there's several other important words um, in that text. And it says that they ran and they hid. And it says they were naked and they were afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we see these concepts of nakedness and shame and hiding and fear exist for the first time ever in human history. And if we just pause there for a second, like this is a profound moment because never until this moment has has there been eyes darting, wondering who's watching, looking back and forth, not trusting. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden there's brokenness. relationship in the and there's brokenness in relationship between the man and the woman there's broken brokenness in the relationship between each of them and god himself and so the nature of evil we see is deceptive and what he leads the original people into is a place of nakedness and shame and fear and the truth is we've been hiding ever since and so this dynamic that happens in the garden is still happening in our lives. And this is why it's important for us to talk about, because as we're entering into the, our work in groups, as we're learning the true story of the world, as we're learning uh, stories about each other, we have to realize this dynamic of evil hasn't gone anywhere. The same evil Satan, and, and we're told he has uh, demons, fallen angels that uh, follow him and do his work, are still at work in the world today. And we know from the scriptures that they are um, calculating, that they're patient, um, and that evil is, is very personal in the way that it attacks and comes after. In the same way, it was very personal in the way that uh, evil came to, to, to Adam and to Eve, um, first coming after Eve and causing a rift in their relationship and deceiving them in a particular way.
1: Can I ask a question yeah. real quick? Sure. Can I back up? Um, because you talked a little bit about shame mm-hmm. and that to me, um, you know, rewind a couple years was a brand new word. Yeah. That was a word that I was like, I don't really understand what shame means, what it is. Mm-hmm. But as I've begun to unpack um, shame in my own story, I've seen it show up in various ways in, in big moments. Um, and it's had a big impact on me. So, I was wondering if you would just yeah. talk a little bit about shame um, yeah. for guys who may have have been in that situation and are like, I don't know what shame is. Uh, mm. Can you share a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so so um, there's a difference between though the words are similar, like um, guilt and and shame. You know, guilt is I've done I've done something bad, um, so I feel guilty. Like mm. and maybe I should because I did uh, something I shouldn't have done. Shame though takes it to the next level and moves it to the realm of identity. And sh- the message of shame is, I am bad. I am wrong, I am a mistake. Um, so it's not it's not just that I did something, but I am mm-hmm. something. Um, and And so at that moment in the garden when Adam and Eve are, are disconnected, the reason that they uh, this text tells us they were ashamed is is because in that moment, it was their identity that mm-hmm. was fractured is is it wasn't that just that they were as they had done something bad and it was more than that mm. is that they were as they were something bad mm. in that moment wow boom just drop <laughs> the mic yeah was <laughs> <Let's, yeah. laughs> so good yeah so i think when we're sitting with men particularly in these in these groups what we have to realize is all this is still at play um and so you know, the words we like to use that we're being pursued by evil all the time. And if, if you call yourself a Christ follower, um, then at some point in your journey, you're going to be pursued by evil because, you know, there, there's a calculating, um, force and, um, he, and he has a name, his name is Satan, um, uh, demons. And they, they have names we know from, from the scriptures, um, And we know they're not all powerful they're not like god and that you know they're um they can't be everywhere all at once um we we but we know that they um, can be concentrated in uh, physical geographic areas we know that they can have intention to do harm to particular individuals and so there's this very um, real reality that if you call yourself a christ follower um, you are being hunted by a personal calculating evil force that designs to destroy you. Yeah. And destroy your family. I mean,
2: you mentioned early on, but you've been in combat situations and in some pretty intense stuff yourself, but can you, can you maybe translate some of that to, you know, help understand that, that feeling or that experience of being hunted?
0: Yeah. You know, it's a surreal thing. I remember, you know, I was a soldier for five years before I went to combat. And so, you know, I spent five years training uh, for the possibility of, of armed conflict. And so, you know, I had played at the art of war many times, you know, and been in lots of simulated exercises where there was an enemy force and, you know, we were the good guys and there was an enemy force and, you know, we were, pretending to have armed conflict. But the reality was it wasn't ever, uh, you know, your life was never on the line. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the moment that, you know, I was in Mosul, Iraq in 2004. And, uh, it was shortly after the invasion happened there. And, um, there, there was, a moment in that particular conflict when the insurgency started and it was a particular day that I can remember, um, and, you know, we were attacked, um, from like multiple sides in in a very calculated offensive that w- they were trying to overrun, you know, our, our position, um, in the city. And I remember that feeling and I remember thinking like we're, we're being hunted and this is what it feels like. And it's nothing like, uh, when you're training, it's nothing like, you know, the, the pretend combat. Yeah. Um, it's not playing war. It's something different when you realize that there's men who, um, are intelligent, who are present and who have a design to take your life. And, um, you know, and so I think that like experience is definitely a given color for me. When I think about, you know, that if we believe God and we believe his version of reality and the story, then we have to believe in evil too. And that means that there's a real personal calculating force that has designs to, um, destroy you. Yeah. Well, even when you use that word
2: calculating and strategic that helps me as well, because I, I think again, in, in a kind of entertainment based culture, like we, we hear evil and we think of like these really, um, in your face, like, you know, demons in a horror film or something. And yet a lot of times, deceiving evil is kind of hidden or not right in your face or very nuanced you know a little bit of a twist on something and so i think it helps to be aware of that mm. versus oh well
1: there's no such thing as evil because i never see like these yeah. screaming demons you know show right. up at the front door <laughs> well i think what you said was being aware of it and that's something that we most often are not, you know, that we just overlook this. I mean, it's, it'd be similar to being in a combat situation and saying, you know, Oh, there's an enemy out there somewhere. Uh, maybe, but we're just going about our daily lives here with, you know, no awareness of that enemy and what they're doing and their moves. And, and I think, you know, spiritually, we often take that position. We're yeah. caught up in our own story, you know, and we forget, that God's story is happening and this is a a part of it, Um, you know, and it's out there and we need to be aware and especially guys in these groups um, because all of a sudden you're taking massive steps in your faith journey and you're going to be popping up on the radar, so to speak um, for this enemy that's going to be attacking you and wanting to discourage you from engaging in this process. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's nothing more than that, 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 that the enemy of our souls wants to, um, t- to do more than, than to um, distract us, um, against understanding our true story, you know, and so as we're doing story work, uh, as we're helping other men engage their story, as we're helping other men understand the truth about who they are and what they're designed to be in the world. Um, you know, there's an enemy who wants to undo all of that. Yeah. And, and so the places that, you know, I think we've talked about, um, this idea of sharing feelings and sharing where we are and sharing what's going on in our life. And another reason that we concentrate uh, on that work in these groups is that is the place where the enemy shows up, too, because the place where you've experienced shame in your life, the, pa- the place you experience fear, mm-hmm. um, the place where you have believed lies about yourself because of things that have happened to you and continue to happen to you in, in your life is the place. That's the foothold that, you know, Ron, you're talking about. It's not these massive things that, you know, Satan's going to do. It's going to be these insidious little lies that, you know, he presents you with over and over and over. And if you, if you're not with a group of friends who can say, you know what, that's, Alive lie from the pit of hell. That is not true. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, we, we become lulled to sleep and we believe those things. Yeah, And you don't,
1: and you don't have, um, you can't recognize that as an individual you know oftentimes and i think that's where satan wants us to be is isolated Mm -hmm. and secretive and keeping you know this evil or shame or whatever just tucked away in the dark um, and festering and not bring it out into the light in a group like this and expose it and invite others into it um yeah because that you know, raises our awareness of, wow, there are lies that I'm believing that aren't true. And Christ has, you know, spoken over these and is covering these, um, and my identities in him and not in this shame or in this lie. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, along with that, what are, what are the other ways we kind of interact with or should handle evil Mm -hmm. if it, if it has this
0: truth and this weight yeah. So I think there's a couple of different aspects. I mean, one is what Ron's talking about and it's the way that we address the work of evil um, in the lives of, you know, our brothers that, that we're standing with. Um, and that's the invitation of this group is, this is a group of brothers to stand with um, for, for a season. And so it's, it's naming, you know, for other people, Hey, that is a lie, you know, that because, there's truth about who we are in Christ, and we're going to talk a lot about that in these groups. Is like, what is my identity in Christ? Was it that the scriptures tell me that, like, if I've made a radical decision to say yes to Jesus and and that I'm going to follow Him, then you know that then certain things are true about me, you know, and that that I'm beloved, that I'm chosen, that you know I don't need to do anything to earn God's favor; I already have it, but we all know that we spend huge chunks of our life trying to pursue favor and trying to earn our, our reputation. Um, and so we'll see these dynamics at play. So I think like one of the first ways that we battle evil is in conversations with each other by naming, um, things that are true in the face of, Mm -hmm. of, of a lie. And we all have, we're going to talk a lot about this in these groups that we all have core lies that we believe that are all tied to our stories. Like I'll just give an example for, for me is that, um, you know, my, my core lies that I don't belong and we don't have time in, in, in this format to get into it. You guys both know, uh, you know, a lot of the details of my story and it's tied all the way back to childhood, but then it, it was affirmed over and over again. This, this lie that like, see Gabe, you don't belong. Well, it's not an accident that that core lie that began in my childhood and continues to present day, right? I had an incident last week where hmm. I I I very like much believe that, hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, why is that? Uh-huh. It's because there's a calculating evil present. So what I need is brothers who can see what's going on and, and speak against that.
1: Yeah. I'll say too, just on that, I mean, just like we talked about earlier with um, thanking someone for sharing and covering them in that way. Uh, this is another form of covering Mm -hmm. someone is speaking a truth, no matter how simple it may sound, um, to someone using their name or, you know, just reminding them like, Hey, Gabe, you do belong. Mm -hmm. Hey, you are loved. Hey, you know, and I think that's so powerful and a tool that we don't use quite often in church and in in any of these circles is just to speak truth over mm-hmm. uh, men and women um, who are believers with us and combat evil in that way.
0: Yeah. Well, cause I think, I think just to say for a minute, like in church, you know, most of our kind of programmatic design is to speak general truth. So we preach general truth. We teach general truth, but what we're talking about is particular truth is that there's, there's particular truth that Steve needs mm-hmm. that addresses directly the lie that, he believes yeah about himself the reason that he feels shame the reason he feels he's not enough the reason he feels like he's unlovable or whatever it is you know there's a particular truth mm-hmm. that needs to be spoken in a particular moment and and you have to be close that's a right. close yeah. fight you know no, that's yeah good. That's yeah good. that's
2: the hand-to-hand versus the long range but it's it also highlights why it's important to understand that evil is personal and calculating mm-hmm. that means that truth to combat that personal and calculating needs to be personal and calculating, which the
0: general truths are not. So yeah. it's, it's hard to then translate it. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve, you asked, you know, how do we engage it? And I, you know, said the first way is, um, that we speak truth to one another in a mm-hmm. very particular way that undoes the work of evil. But the second thing is prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very clear in the example of, of Jesus himself, you know, there's, there's a moment when, um, Jesus says to, to Peter and he says, you know, Simon, Simon, you know, um, Satan has, has requested, um, to sift you like wheat to test you, to put you through hardship. And he says, I'm praying for you that you would endure. Right. And that you would return and, and that you'd be faithful in your ministry to your brothers. And yeah. Um, and so that's the example of Christ himself and how he deals with, with evil is he doesn't say, I'm going to, I'm stopping evil. Right. And it's where now we know in the grand story, like he is going to stop evil once and for all at some point, but we live in a point in human history where evil is very much at work. And and I think we're to follow the command of Jesus to pray for one another, um, which we don't do enough. Mm -hmm. I don't At least I don't know how you guys think about yeah. prayer, but I know that's not been like the strongest aspect of my Christian yeah. journey. Yeah.
1: I think oftentimes in groups like this, um, or in previous Bible studies or small groups that I've been in, you know, if you think about prayer, it's usually tacked onto the end of the time. Um, Hey, let's go around real quick. Any prayer requests for the week? And then, you know, it could be a person's aunt or their cat's sick or something like mm-hmm. that, that aren't They're not bad things in particular, but when we're talking about this subject and in particular, the the personal aspect of it. I mean, I think locking shields with your brothers in prayer is actually, I mean, one of the main ways to combat evil. Um, Absolutely. Speaking truth over them, praying with them, praying for them um, and naming those things in the group is powerful. Yeah. It gets back to the
2: unhurried space that we create with this group because what did you say at the beginning? Well, at the end, let's real quick Mm -hmm. go around the circle. Well, the key word there is real quick. So what does everyone do? They throw out something that's real quick to say. Mm -hmm. If I was to pray, you know, about a real thing I'm struggling with, there's no time for that. So I think in some ways we, yeah, we get into those, like we fall into those traps because we're
1: so rushed in those settings or maybe because we haven't been able to truly open up. Yeah. One of the things I've found that's worked well in, in our groups is actually taking a, a third space. We've mm-hmm. called it, you oh, know, nice. we have, we have the group meeting, um, and maybe it's in person and then maybe, you know, we do an online element as well, but there's a third space, which is throughout the week. How are you engaging these guys? You know, you can't, can't interact as much as we'd love to every day and sit in a group, um, for an hour, but, there are ways that you can engage, and one of them is using technology. Um, it's really smart. I like so, that. Even the naming of it helps. It yeah, like frees it, yeah. it. It immediately feels freed up a bit. <laughs> so our guys have, you know, we have a, a group text. I mean, that's been the mm-hmm. mode that we've used, um, and it's been amazing for this very thing. You know, guys will update it mainly with, "Hey, this is you know, I, I spoke about this thing. I asked you guys to pray for this thing. Here's the latest update." Or I had this conversation today with a family member that was really hard. Um, Can you guys pray for the next one or pray for me as I go into it? And that's been a great way in real time to engage, um, you know, this group in a way that's actually benefiting them as they step into the world and, and live lives. And it's easy. I mean, it's something that's just it takes a little bit of intentionality to put it out there. And I've used some voice memos, yeah. you know, and things too. Um, but it's been such a great place of community ju- to just continue those conversations. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's a brilliant um, concept. Yeah, you I'm still not it's, it's like I <laughs> call that asynchronous communication. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's right. right? Hey, like,
2: guys, I'd like to create an asynchronous <laughs> communication <laughs> channel. Yeah, yeah. Run's don't like don't use that language about third
0: space. <laughs> yeah, I like third space much better. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I, to me, this also reminds me of something I. I've learned through this that evil wants to stay hidden. And so we have to do the work of exposing it in order to work through it and find healing. Yeah. And you like Gabe, you mentioned guilt and shame and both get dealt with through exposing Mm -hmm. and working Mm -hmm. through it. So anyone who's experienced like good counseling or therapy or anything like they've experienced this exact process, of like expose it and work through it. Don't go around it. Don't just suppress it. Like that was my default mode for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, one of the things I love about the group setting is it created that regular place to be able to expose. Because I think ideally this would happen every day in our lives with people we're close to. But to your point, Gabe, we're just we're busy and that's not always reality. I'm not like running out the door in the morning trying to get to work and kids to school and stuff and be like, Hey, by the way, like, is this something I feel really shameful about? You know, that's not exactly always realistic or how it is, even if I want it to be. So to have this kind of carved out space, I think you used the word sacred earlier, like Mm -hmm. a sacred space where, Hey, for at least this period of time, we're going to intentionally do this thing. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it builds a muscle that allows me to do it more often than just that.
1: I'll add, too. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but just the way the evil is so personal sometimes, um, in particular with these groups, is shocking, you know? But when you're able to recognize it, like, oh, hey, uh, it's group night. All of a sudden, my calendar is busy, and I'm worn out, and I don't want to go, and it's so easy just to check out, you know? Um, And I think just... Continuing to be aware of that, that that's going to be a present reality for these guys um, as, as y'all are in groups is really to say, man, it's, it's always easier to not go. It's always easier to not show up either, um, you know, being fully present, even if you're there physically or not there physically at all. But the challenge is going to be, man, fight against that. Um, pray before you go in, ask guys to be praying for you and with you if you're having a hard week. Um, and make it a priority, but it's going to take sacrifice, you know, in order to prioritize this. Yeah. It's
0: not, um, this isn't, this isn't a convenient work. And remember we talked about the idea that our culture is built on efficiency. And one of the reasons this is hard and, and why we like do an intentional ask to each guy that's invited in is because it's, it's not an easy thing to do and it requires commitment and sacrifice to do it. And the reward is great. If, if you stick with it and stick in it.
2: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say on evil?
0: I mean, I, I, I think just this last thing, you know, that we're, um, I think is men designed to be protectors. I mean, that's part of our nature and it's part of our role. Um, so I just like to challenge us to think of ourselves in that way spiritually. I don't think we think about, like, I think, you know, I use the sort of image of physical threat. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I sort of had the epiphany of, you know, what this looks like in the spiritual realm because I was actually in actual combat situation. And so I I can, in my mind, go back to that, you know, actual experience that I had and say, you know, man, like that there's a connection here. And um, what I experienced physically actually is true spiritually right now. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. Maybe some people haven't had that experience, but I think we can all relate to the idea of like, we feel like we need to defend our homes. <laughs> like the idea of, you know, that our home could be broken into mm-hmm. is a very real idea. I think we've all thought about that, yeah. you know, like what would I do, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so I think one little exercise is to imagine that, you know, there's like the most violent, vicious, um, person that you can ever imagine that hates you and knows everything about you and is standing outside of your house trying to get in. And if that was true, like what would you do? How would that change the way you, you functioned and related, um, to that, to that person outside of your home. And I think like, that's a very real, um, image that there is, there is an evil force, um, all around us, you know, um, and that has the ability to to destroy and undo and has that design. And so um, to take it seriously, um, to acknowledge it in our conversations with each other, but also to like, enter into the sacred work of prayer and to do that seriously and to do it every day and to do it as a first thing, not a last resort. And not just to pray for your aunt's cat, but to pray for strength that we might resist temptation. And that's the primary thing we're called to pray for is, is like that we might resist temptation, that we might stand in the face of evil, that we might be faithful and, and endure and stay the course mm-hmm. and not give in to the lies, but instead believe the truth. Yeah.